Chapter 33 You Did Good The elevator stopped on the tenth floor of the Greenleaf Building. Luke, Eamon, and Bosco exited slowly. Compared to the rest of the building, the tenth floor lobby area looked 90% complete. It was sleek, minimalistic, with dark wood walls and creamy-colored limestone floor that looked understatedly elegant. Damn, how come everyone else's offices look better than ours? Luke whispered. Eamon frowned and pointed to a set of rich-looking doors at the far side of the lobby entrance. There was no sign yet, but judging from everything else they had seen, it was the only suite currently occupied. It had to be Greenleaf. Bosco's nails didn't make the same clicking noise on the floor, which meant for once he was practically stealthy. He stayed by Luke's side and came to a stop when Eamon raised his hand 20 feet or so from the door. Eamon's phone was snapped into a special case of his own design, one that was capable of scanning for various electronic signatures. It was a smaller version of the office device, with the exception of biosensing. They stood dead quiet. He tapped on the screen and waved it around a bit just to make sure it was working. Nothing. I don't know what to make of this. There doesn't look like there's any sort of camera or alarm system. I can't scan for people, though, with this, Eamon whispered. Luke could tell that Eamon was as nervous as he was. He was about to say fuck it and try to get in the office when Bosco moved slightly forward, sniffing in the direction of the door. He stepped forward, then turned slightly, standing between Luke, Eamon, and the door. Eamon shot a what-the-hell look. Luke shrugged. He had never seen Bosco act like this. He kept his eyes locked on the dogs, and in the most singularly weird moment of his life, standing there in the hallway 20 feet from the Greenleaf door, Luke felt a wave of heightened awareness, so intense he couldn't explain it. Suddenly, he detected an unfamiliar smell. A mix of cologne, sweat, gun oil, and fear, and heard the sound of fabric rubbing together and the shifting of weight on an office chair. Luke had sensed that there were two men in the office waiting for them. In that brief moment, there was no logical thought. He just knew it. Luke shook his head and motioned Eamon back to the elevator. Bosco was two steps ahead. What are we doing? Eamon asked after the elevator door closed. There are men in there waiting for us. Two of them. We got to get the hell out of here and figure out another way, Luke said. How the hell do you know that? Eamon said curiously. Dude, I cannot begin to explain. I could just sense it. Eamon could tell that Luke was confused as he was, but didn't question him. After discovering the semi-psychic connection between Luke and Jack, nothing really seemed outside the realm of possibility. Luke looked down at his phone. No signal. Eamon's either. It wasn't till they were out of the garage and near the car that they regained cell phone service. Their phones started pinging at once. Five messages and eight texts from Quan. Holy shit, Luke said, staring down at his phone, looking at the still frames of Beth entering and exiting the hotel room at Caesar's Palace. I knew something was off with that bitch. A mixture of fear and confusion poured through his bloodstream. How the hell did I miss it, he thought to himself. Quan's on the move, Eamon said quickly, knocking Luke out of his trance. Look at his last text. 
Luke scrolled through the litany of texts Quan had sent. Jeez, this is crazy. Beth? She's here? Luke blurted. Luke tried to make sense of it, but he was more confused than ever as they jumped into the car. Do you have the phone tracking software on your computer? He asked Eamon. Eamon nodded. Yeah. Find Quan. If he's following her, that scares the shit out of me. He's not wired for that, Luke said urgently. Quan answered his phone on the first ring. He sounded manic and out of breath. Luke put him on speakerphone. Where are you? Luke asked. You get my texts and my messages? Quan asked. Yeah, Luke replied. I'm about um, 30 minutes north of the hotel, following Beth, Quan said. Luke started to say something, but Quan cut him short. Don't worry, I'm, I'm keeping my distance. I'm about a half mile behind her. She won't know I'm here. Hold on. I'm texting you the screenshot from the tracking map on my computer, Quan said. Luke's phone pinged with his text. Easy, Tiger. That's not what I was going to ask. I wanted to know how you're tracking her in the first place, Luke replied. Oh, simple, Quan said, reminding them of Beth's replacement phone. No shit, Luke muttered, duly impressed. He looked down at the tracking screenshot Quan had sent. He eyed Eamon, who nodded approvingly. Quan was doing the right thing, or at least what Luke would have done. Quan, you did good. Listen, we're about an hour behind you. Keep following her and send me a text if anything changes. I'll have Eamon start tracking her as well. We're hauling ass, and we'll catch up with you soon, Luke said. Eamon and Luke didn't linger on the phone. Their testosterone and adrenaline were dialed up to ten, and neither Eamon nor Luke could speak both failing to comprehend how they could have been so blind about Beth, but more confounded that she was somehow part of something bigger, something so bizarre they didn't know where it started, much less how to process it all. Luke kept replaying the video of her, recalling the first time he met her and how he instantly hated her, unable to remember if he subconsciously knew she was lying or if he hated her so much that his intuition was clouded. Whatever it was, with each passing mile, he wished that he had brought the voodoo doll of her with him. Eamon typed Beth's phone information into the tracking software. There she is, he said, pointing to the blip on the screen. I can't wait to catch up with that bitch, Luke muttered as he put the car in gear and pointed it toward Beth.